I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick live from downtown Toronto at the You know what? Let's do that again and give a warm welcome, a warm Torontonian round of applause, regardless if you're not from Toronto or not, uh, to our guest tonight, Soph. Hello. So my first question for you uh, would be, have you ever gave compressions to someone's heart? Have you ever... Actually, let me rephrase that. Have you ever been taking a shit... And the person next to you dies? (laughs) No, but I've been on a first aid course, so I would know what to do in that situation. Well, there you go. Yeah, there you go. So that's what we needed to do. What would you do? Would you wipe first or just get up and go? Um... Maybe like one hand on the compressions, one hand on the <laughs> Like simultaneously. Yeah. You just go like, take some toilet paper with me. And, and then go out. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. Because you can push really hard with one hand. Did they, did yeah. they teach you that? That's fucked up. <laughs> I mean, not really much, but it's just common sense. You know? uh, I noticed you have a very charming accent. Yes. Is that annoying to hear in Canada? People are like, oh, you have an accent. Where are you from? Not as annoying as it is in America, because people literally get right up in your face and like, Hey, where are you from? That's so cool. And yeah, then right. tell you about like their grandmother from like, the <laughs> suburb of Yorkshire or something. <laughs> where are you from? It's really cool. Um, I'm from just north of London, but I've lived in Wales in the southwest. No fucking way. I've got a grandmother in Yorkshire. <laughs> oh, nice. And uh, yeah, she loves it. She loves it out there. Cool. <clears throat> um, uh, well, I'm, I'm, you know, this is actually kind of interesting because a lot of what you guys were talking about in that story had to do with the fact that this gentleman's heart was not doing its job, right? I don't know much about you uh, because I literally got here about 20 minutes ago. Uh, But what I do know is that we're going to be talking about your heart in some capacity, right? Yeah. What do you, what's your, what's your situation? What's your deal? So I was born with complex congenital heart disease, which means that my heart was so fucked up that it was didn't even have a name for what was wrong with me you're are are you are you undiagnosed or do you know now um still undiagnosed but there's a condition called trichology of fallow which took me a really it's it's so hard to understand you with that perfect accent uh what did you say tetralogy tetralogy of fallows of fallows yeah that sounds like a very noble character from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> it does sound very mythical. <laughs> it does. Very mythical. He sounds like he can wield a bow. <laughs> Long, blonde hair. Say it one more time. 
Tetralogy of Follows. You don't have to say it with the accent, though, Jer. Tetralogy of Follows. We hear no shortage of hard-to-pronounce things, but there's something about that that just is very challenging for the tongue. Yeah, it's almost like European and like roll in the tetralogy. <laughs> yeah, so European. <laughs> and, and so you said that you were born with that, but like yeah. when, when do they first realize that that's going to be an issue? Like do they realize that while you're, before you're born or is it something that comes afterwards? So they should have, but the hospital that my mom was kind of at throughout her pregnancy was rated one of the worst in the country. Um, So I was born on June 30th and at 12 hours old in the middle of a heat wave, they sent me home as a cold baby in hats and gloves because I was blue. And they were like, yeah, she's she's cool. What? Yeah. What? Wait, Whoa. yours is again? What, what plan Are you 130? Yeah, pretty much. Maybe dead if I was That actually does sound like something that was happening back in the days where, like, people were drinking beer because the water was too dirty. Yeah. yeah. You know? Oh, she's blue? She's cold. Yeah. yeah. Just, just covering. The other night when I saw a person that was blue, I was like, he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's a natural response, right? Wait, so hold on, hold on, hold on. You, you were born. And then, and then 12, 12 hours later, because we're like, when do when do babies usually get get taught like t- tossed back home? When do they usually <laughs> throw the baby back home? When do babies usually go home? The next day. Okay, so twenty four hours. All right, twelve hours was like half of that. No. I was born just before midnight, so technically it was the next. It day. was the next day, technically. Okay, but so they you were blue, and they and they just gave you ha- like mitts and gloves on a, in mm-hmm. a in a heat wave. Yeah. And then said, "Go home." Yeah. The sweet thing is about doing this live is that That's there's so there's there's medical there's quite often quite I a few know. medical professionals in the room. So one of the thing that uh, I'm curious about to ask anybody who knows this out there, like if a baby is born blue, does that mean that they should definitely stay in the hospital longer? Or is that something that's like? Yeah, sounds, yes. Sounds pretty what? legit. No. Is anybody Wait, here being okay, like, yeah, they should just be cold and go home? Okay. I was gonna okay. say, are you a mother or are you a, a, a professor? Yeah, right. Congratulations. Yeah. What did you name it? Carlisle. Carlisle. Nice. Oh, fuck yeah, that's a sick name. Yeah. <laughs> All babies are born blue because they haven't had their first breath yet. Respiratory therapist usually comes in. Okay. If they're showing signs that they're not right. doing their thing. Now, were you, when you were born, so were you breathing? Or like, what, what, why were you, why were you blue? Why did they send you home? What was going on? Don't know why they sent me home. Um, I was blue because I wasn't getting enough oxygen from my heart to my lungs. Got it. Um, so, Tetralogy of Fellows is, because I don't technically have that, I don't really know precisely but there's like four main things that come with that condition um it's pulmonary stenosis so your pulmonary artery which is like the main one that goes from your heart to your lungs is narrowed but mine was completely blocked as well so not only was it narrowed it was just like blocked so there was no blood going from my heart to my lungs um it was only because I also had two holes in my heart that it was kind of like leaking out of my main part of my heart and like 
filtering through to my lungs. I survived what the, the first few fuck? days of my God. life. <clears throat> so yeah. wait, you so because of holes in your heart, that was like the thing that kind of saved you in 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 a sense. Yeah. But you don't want mm-hmm. holes in your heart, right? Generally. Yeah. Generally, this is like the only no. time where you want holes in your heart. Yeah. Okay. Much. Right. Pretty That's much. fucking crazy. So it yeah. was blocked, and the holes allowed for that blockage to be uh, to be like mitigated in in some in some way. Very minutely. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Whoa, that's so you didn't have the tetralogy of the villa, but you had um, you had what 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 did you have going on? Is there a name it, for? They called it like tetralogy of fellows with like added stuff with a bunch of stuff. Because I had all the four things that you have with it, but my heart just kind of decided to have a party and add some more bits. <laughs> okay. So, okay, so what type of complications then come up from from that? Like, obviously, your blood not getting to your lungs is a problem. Yeah. So how does that then? How does that present itself in you as a baby? Um, I was like just very blue and dusky and. But is your are your parents like what the fuck? Like we need to like this is going to be a problem because they got sent home with a baby that was blue. Do they like how long were you cold? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think I was ever cold. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how long were you, how long did they, were were you blue until your parents were like? She doesn't need the mitts and the gloves. <laughs> she needs uh, hospital attention right now, and possibly I don't know heart surgery or lung surgery or all that shit. Like, like how did like how long did it take before they were like, you, we need to change this. We need to do something very drastic. Actually, probably never. Like, if it wasn't if if it just been down to my parents, I'd probably have died. But um, so <laughs> my mom was friends with her midwife anyway so she came over to see me when I was a few days old and she was like your baby looks kind of weird and um, I love how she said it so politely and with that English accent yeah Yeah, she said it just like that Um, and then they so she told me she told my mom to take me to the doctor and the doctor was like examine me he was like I think I hear a heart murmur but I'm not too sure like Maybe I'll come back in a few days. And uh, so I think I was like three or four days old by that point. And, um, and then she was like, okay, like this might be a thing we have to deal with. Because I'm the youngest of four. So she was like, I've done the baby thing. Like, we're cool. Right, she knows the drill. Yeah, mm-hmm. like she knows the drill. And uh, she wasn't too nervous. And then the next morning, the doctor and the midwife showed up on our doorstep at sunrise. And they were like, yeah, you need to take her to the hospital. They're like, she's not cold. Yeah. Take the mitts off now. <laughs> yeah, so um, I was rushed to, like, the local hospital again. They- so wait, 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 though. Hold on. They showed up the next day. What, did the midwife and the doctors go for pints? Pretty and then, much. like, be like, yeah, I don't know. I've never seen a baby. Look. Oh, no. I never saw a baby like that before. Like, they, like how did they come to, how, how the fuck did they figure it out? That you were, I don't know. Something like, just clicked? I, I was like three days old, so I don't remember. You don't remember her. this? I know. I'm sorry. It'd be really funny if they just like went to a conference and like they're sitting. <laughs> yeah. I just picture them in a yeah. conference together and they're both sitting beside each other and like they learn something together and they're yeah. like, 
Oh, at the comments, they're like, we've just established that when babies are blue, they are not, in fact, just cold. <laughs> this is brand new information. We're just learning it now. They might have holes in their heart, and their lungs might not be getting blood. And the doctors are just like, holy shit. <laughs> we had a baby like that two days ago. The thing that's interesting, though, is like, when is that conference taking place for them to learn it overnight? Like, are they going to like a midnight thing? Yeah, or like, yeah. right. It's a party conference. It's fun. Oh. Yeah. So they show up at the door. And then they take you to the hospital, and, and, and what, I mean, are you, do you spend a bunch of time in the hospital? What do they have to do to you? I mean, so my local hospital, who missed my nine heart defects, were like, oh, <laughs> shit, we fucked up. Yeah. Um, yeah, no shit. Yeah, so they're like, all right, we got an ambulance waiting for her to take her to, like, a good hospital <laughs> in London. Um, so I'm, like, blue-lighted there, and what should have been a two-hour journey took the paramedics 35 minutes, so... Whoa. Oh, like, blue-lighted. That sounds like an English term. Maybe oh, it's yeah, not. Yeah. Uh, I'm assuming that means you were put in the ambulance, and then they put the light on, and everyone was like, get the fuck out of the way. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, perfect. Like, going 120 down the highway. Yeah, you were Did you ever flying. watch Baby Driver? I referred to Baby Driver earlier, but... <laughs> That's some baby driver driver. It's right really there. great, yeah. film. really yeah. great film. Lots that kid knew what was he was doing. Yeah, he was a really good driver. He really did. Yeah. yeah. So what what happens when you get to London then? Um, <coughs> so I have a catheter straight away. So a I, catheter. Yeah. So Up your urethra. No. Um, so a <laughs> cardiac catheter goes through like. Makes more sense. Own. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. They just like had a. We try my bladder, you know, see what's up with my heart. Sure. Um, <laughs> did they do the? Did they do the, the through the groin? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, um, that's it's like kind of similar to a, in your urethra. Right. Like it, you mean ish. you mean like it's nearby? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Pretty much. You could have said yeah. <laughs> so they have to put it up through. They have to put it up through your groin, and then and where does it go? To my heart. Into your heart. Yeah. <sighs> I know. Isn't that the most, isn't that like, it is the, I mean, I get it. I totally get it. I know why they do this. Like I've, I've seen the diagrams, but it is the wildest thing to think. Seen the diagrams? We got, yeah. (laughs) Well, you haven't, you haven't seen those diagrams? Not that I recall, but I will look it up. What I mean is like, I know that the, I know that there's like a really main artery in your groin, right? Mm -hmm. And so your arteries go to your heart in some way and so it makes sense that that's what they do but it, like it's also so far from your heart like you would th- yeah they're like just put it through just, just put it through, put the, it through the, the chest lung. like yeah just through the intercostal and just like right into the heart no matter how often we talk to people about catheters <laughs> nope it makes me feel so weird I was like no what it makes me feel so weird it's just like it, it makes me squirm I think it might be the word and maybe it's because yeah. I think about catheters in the realm of being put up your urethra, and Dude, that just yeah. makes me like go. Wait till you have a catheter yanked out of your pee hole, and then you hear the word catheter. I've got PTSD for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but I don't they, actually. I don't know if, I, if, if, if anyone knows this, but if you, um, this is a side note, and it has nothing to do with your heart. I'm sorry, Steph. Uh, I had a catheter in it last like a, a year ago in October, and uh, I was so drugged up that I don't remember anything from that experience except. When they went to remove the catheter, I remember that as fucked up as I was on those drugs. And it was this, uh, it was this male nurse who, whose English was like really broken. He, he was English wasn't his first language, and I was like, "Is this gonna hurt?" And he was like, "Yeah." <laughs> and, and I was like, "Oh no!" He's like, "Just just breathe and count to three. And I was like, "Okay, one, two. And then he pulled it, 
And you know, like, you know, when you, um, I'm trying to think of like anything you might have seen that would relate to this, which I don't think I can. <laughs> he pulled it and like, it was like, a, oh, you know what it's like? It's like when you're wearing like, pl- like plastic gloves and you pull the one finger and it goes, <laughs> and you're like, oh my God, oh my how God. far is this going to pull? And that's, and, that, and I was going, ah, ah, like it shouldn't have been pulling that far. And then he literally went like this. <laughs> when it gave way it snapped out it went and I was like ah and he went oh. we're done and I think, anyway anyway I, I think catheters. there should be another word for the the heart catheter thing though like yeah, yeah non-urethral just, catheter yeah like they should distinguish yeah. it yeah they're but, basically the first guy who the guy who discovered catheterization for cardiac purposes used one that was meant for the urethra and just kind of like Stuck it in himself and like stuck it in himself. He was just experimenting. Like he was yeah. just like, I'm just gonna fish this thing up my dick. And like, <laughs> Dude, well. that is so hard. Wait, so wait, against doctors or he wasn't a doctor. He was a doctor, oh, okay. but he was like training. So his supervisor, he was like, Hey, I got this great theory, and the guy was like, You're don't crazy. do that. Yeah, yeah right. don't do that. So he like duped a nurse into doing it to help him like get into the labs or whatever, and then he like inserted. A tube into himself and like fed it to his heart and then that is way too <laughs> yeah went to like the x-ray room like took an x-ray of himself with the nurse's help and like kept it in went to his supervisor was like look what I did <laughs> yeah, it's in my yeah. fucking heart bro look at yeah. the pictures they were like really mad they were like this is an incredible medical discovery so yeah, and he won the Nobel Prize and you can no longer be did. a doctor he won the Nobel Prize he did, yeah. <laughs> after he was a prisoner of war in the Nazi oh my um, god whoa yeah. who the fuck is this guy is this the Dos Equis guy um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. you know you can pretty much say anything he did it while he was skydiving <laughs> as well he jumped out of the plane <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's funny that you can pretty much say anything with a British accent and convince people of it because you just oh, yeah. sound like so sophisticated when you say it that like you that could have been entirely made up and I would have been like absolutely yeah, <laughs> yeah. it would have been a great made up story yeah. so what happens so you go to the you go to the hospital they give you the catheter to your heart mm-hmm. they are like she needs immediate <coughs> open heart surgery whoa so like my parents oh, wow. arrive they like sign this consent form to like basically take me away to surgery straight away. Basically, like, if you, like, if, if you don't make it, it's not the hospital's fault type deal, like, is that yeah, what you mean? Yeah. yeah, like, we understand what's about to happen to mm. our four-day-old baby. Oh, my God. And, um, yeah, so they took me down. They, actually, I don't know which side it was, because I'll get to that in a minute, but they, like, cracked my ribs open from the side and, like, oh. removed one of the arteries from my arms to put it in between the two main arteries of the heart. So there's, like, two arteries that go into the heart on either side and two that comes out. So it's, like, taking oxygen from the body into the heart and then sending it to the lungs. So my heart was basically just, like, useless from that point. So the only point that I was getting oxygen to my lungs was from this, like... The surgery is crazy. Like, just thinking about Mm -hmm. doing surgery on a... Excuse me, on surgery on a... On a human so small, we were we were hanging out with a friend of ours today, who has a a, a baby who is how old? How old? Her, her name's three weeks. Her name is also Sophia. Yeah, that's right. And, um, uh, yeah, she's, she's three weeks yeah. old, and that's like three times longer than you were. And <laughs> she is so small. And I, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not around newborn babies very often. I was just blown away by how 
tiny and like fragile she was like her like you could almost like still see through her skin like her eyelids were thin and I was just blown away by how tiny and fragile she was and then thinking that that you could do surgery on Dude, on open heart surgery like, like open heart surgery on something that's fingernails are the cutest thing in on the world in the world you know like you ever look at a baby, newborn baby's fingernails and you're just like I just want to like Bite it off. <laughs> yeah. you, know, the, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying, though. You want to bite it off. Yeah, you just like, you just start gritting your teeth. I know, it's so cute. What does having cute fingernails have anything to do with the difficulty of surgery? I'm just saying, man. I'm just saying. They're, they're so, There's like, a clear link here, Brian. Yeah, How yeah. do you not see it? I'll try, I would try to dive into it, but it's, I think it's beyond you, Brian. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> So, so they oh, they open you up, but you said you you forget which side. But wouldn't you know which side? Wouldn't you have scars on the side that? Yeah. So when I was six months old, it got a blood clot and blocked. So then they had to take me in for emergency on the other side. So oh I oh, scars so on both sides. Both sides oh. are all scarred. So you're out. just like I don't know which one's which. Yeah. So they did. So they they do open heart surgery on you. You, meant, you just mentioned they did surgery on you again later. So obviously it, it worked, and and or, or maybe it didn't work because they had to go back in and do it. What what were they doing? What were they trying to repair? Like everything? Did they did they know that the holes and the lung thing were happening? Or like? Oh yeah. So I also failed to mention before both of so there's like four ventricles of the heart, and I say I should know this a bit more, but there's like two arteries that go into the ventricles. Um, I mean, if you're, you're like, we're, okay. we're just going to nod. I'm going, yeah, like, yeah, 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 ventricles. so mm. right right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's, like, four chambers of the heart, two atriums, two ventricles, and um, both of my arteries that are meant to go into the two ventricles were coming into my right ventricle because my left one was so small. So, like, that needed corrective surgery, whatever. And also, I was born without a pulmonary valve. So like, the blood was just kind of having a party going everywhere in my yeah. heart. So. It sound, yeah, it just sounds like you're, like, the process of you being put together in the womb. Like, if it was a game of Tetris, when they got to your heart, they were like, eh, just push it down really quickly. Bah, 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 and then yeah, they just kind of fucked it up. Yeah, game over. <laughs> yeah. So, so, okay, your heart's clearly um, fucked. Did you just say, sorry, did you just say you were born without a palm reading valve? Pulmonary valve. Pulmonary, pulmonary valve. Pulmonary. 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 Okay. I was like, you're, you don't have the ability to palm read? Like, <laughs> that's kind of lame because yeah. pretty much everybody here can. So. Yeah. <laughs> can they? <laughs> just practice. It's practice. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's really <laughs> easy. Palm reading is simple. So, so did, like, let's kind of, let's kind of jump ahead a little here. How, at what point, how old are you? I'm 25. You're 25. How? Like, how did you, like, you know what I mean? Like, at what point did you, did your heart start to not cause problems? Because you said that you went through this when you were, you, you know, four days old. And then there was some other shit that happened at six months. Mm-hmm. Um, were, like, are, have you continuously through your childhood just had issues that that you're having to have medical teams correct issues and surgeries yeah okay um, how so many, how many surgeries was, have you had do you know like overall i think cardiac wise like with all of the catheters i've had a lot of those um 
Like, give us a number. Yeah, what's a lot? Like, five is a lot to me. 18. Holy shit. 18. Maybe, but like, I was a baby for a lot of that, so I kind of rely on my mom for that number. Sure. Crazy. So, how many, how many since, how many do you remember? Like, like 10. Oh, that's not. Oh, oh, 10? Whatever, then. (laughs) That's a lot of surgery. So, so you said, but only on your heart. You've had other surgeries, too, that have nothing, like. I mean, I had my tonsils out, which was a whole... Okay, yeah, sure, right. Which was like... Gotcha. Actually, a major stuff. Let's leave this heart stuff behind. Let's yeah. dive into the tonsils. What happened there? Actually, that is one of my craziest stories, because they oh, missed a okay. bit, and my Pray stitches they ripped open two weeks later, and I started, like, bleeding out through my throat. Oh, my so. God. Like, you thought you were a zombie? Oh. You were like, it's happening. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. I was like, wait, Mom, I'm coughing up blood. Oh, my God. Like, was, it, was it Halloween, at least? No, it was the day before my birthday, so, oh, like, all good. the nurses were trying to cheer me up, good. being like, let's think of something nice. Like, when's your birthday? And I was like, tomorrow. I'm probably going to die. <laughs> How did the stitches open up? Dunno. You just like were you just like could, did you cough or something? Is that like Maybe. a oh my god? Where, where is this in London too? I thought London had like the healthcare thing going down for no, them. No, this is the local hospital. They actually did save my life that time. So. Okay, well then they're oh, okay, okay. Good. Redeemed. So they kind of redeemed themselves yeah. from the time that they didn't pick up your heart defect. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, that's good. <laughs> Holy yeah. shit. Okay, so later on and later on, you've got, you've had. 18 ish mm-hmm. surgeries, ten that you can remember. That's fucking crazy. Has there ever, have you ever had a surgery that it didn't look like it was going to go that well? Like where? Yeah. So actually, when I was four and a half, um, so the two that I had when I was five days and six months were just kind of like door stoppers to like make sure that my heart was fine until I could kind of grow a bit more. Um, and that one, I they like opened me up from the front of my chest and. Replace my pulmonary valve and pulmonary artery because the artery was blocked and the valve was missing. So they put like a tube in between my two, my right and left ventricles, or something like that. Where, where, do, where do they get the material for that? Because you said like the first, the first time they did something like that, they took it from your arm, right? Yeah. So are they taking stuff from like all over your body? Or are you getting like donor yeah, arteries? Yeah, Okay. Um, so I didn't have to. It's not like a transplant, but. Like, you can donate your tissues and they can be, like, preserved in some kind of freaky stuff. So, like, I got a date for my surgery and, like, the donor tissue was used for that. Okay. Like, craft the valves that's now in my Man, heart. how do they figure out how to do this stuff? Like, it's yeah. fucking mind-blowing to think, yeah. oh, yeah. How did we figure out the internet? You know, I don't know. Yeah, There's a lot of things know, that I just right? can't figure out how we figured out. <laughs> it's a lot of shit. And, but it is, it is, like, it's basically the that the, you're, you're basically just going for these, like, these, you're a computer, and the doctors are just computer geeks. And they're like, oh, let's yeah. open her up and, and put in a new hard drive and... Yeah, like, like, oh, oh, this what, one's what can we try now? Worn out, yeah. Sh- like, I, I feel like, like, were, are you, are you, when you go in for these sorts of things, is it, is it a scenario where they're going, eh, like, we could try this and we don't really know how long it'll last, but it, it's all kind of temporary? Pretty much. Um, so with any congenital heart conditions, like congenital just means that you're born with it, mm-hmm. um, they can't be cured, so technically the term is like palliative care. But like, I'm not, I'm not terminal mm. with it. But it's that's yeah. what it's called because it's never going to be cured. Um, so that's what they do, and 
Yeah, there, yeah. that's a, that's a, I think that's actually a really important uh, thing to to um, to sort of break down is the is that palliative doesn't mean dying yeah. in the moment. Palliative just means care that you, uh, treating an issue. A lot of it has to do with like primarily like um, uh, pain management, mm-hmm. which can start right at the diagnosis and last all the way and to and including mm-hmm. you know. I didn't know end of life. I didn't, I didn't know, know that. Is it? Is it? Is it sort of? Is it sort of? I, I, there's um, probably a better way to describe. It. I'm sure someone out there is like, oh, well, it's kind of different than that, but sure. Is it sort of? Is it sort of uh, used in uh, like like synonymous with like chronic care? I don't know if you'd say if you wouldn't say chronic yeah, care. I don't know. Like, I don't, like, I, like care I don't that know. because it's not because you're not going to get cured of it. You're going to need care that will go on. Oh yeah, like forever. I see, I see a cardiologist once a year, and um, so the surgery I had when I was. Four and a half was only had only been around for like ten years. Um, so they were like, she might have, and it like it went south really fast. So like the surgery went fine, and then my body was just like, fuck this, we're checking out. So like, was, was it was it uh, was it rejecting the tissue that you? No, it was just kind of rejecting <coughs> the intensity of the surgery. So I was like in ICU for I think ten days, and like my heart stopped a few times. It was like not pushing enough blood through my body, so I was on kidney dialysis for a little bit. Have you ever died? Pardon? Have you ever died? I don't think so. (laughs) But my sisters, I have three older sisters, they were like, it might be nice if they came up to see her, which was like kind of code for like, Oh, she's not. Oh, wow. The surgeon pulled my mom aside and was like, it's 50-50. Holy shit. At that time, like when you had the surgery at four and a half. So you've you've obviously, you've you've said that you've had so many, like you've had 18 plus surgeries maybe. And like, obviously this really scary experience when you're four and a half Mm -hmm. in the hospital for an extended period of time, probably more than one occasion. Um, How, like, how has that impacted your life? Like growing up and making friends and, and being at school and things like that. Oh, it, it fucked me up. Um, Did you miss a lot of school, like, when you were yeah, young? Yeah, I think by, so in the UK, you kind of, you're the secondary school from when you're 10, or when you're 11 to 16, and I think by the end, my attendance was about 50%. Wow. But, like, it got, <clears throat> I started to stabilize when I was, like, 13, 14, but, like, everybody I went to school with was so used to me not being there that... I remember one time this guy was like, oh, what was the English homework? And I said, I, I tried to tell him. And he was like, oh, don't worry, like, you probably weren't there. And I was like, no, I've, I've been here for the last two weeks. <laughs> right. um, well, at so, least, yeah. you know, in the very least, you missed a lot of school, but you got that accent, which makes you sound pretty fucking smart. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. You sound way what. smarter than I do. Was it, was it hard to, like, make and keep friends at that age? Yeah, I mean, like, kids are bitches, you know, like, <laughs> I, I had, like, you can't really see it now because I, I fade scars really well, but, like, I had a big scar from, like, here down to here, so, and it was, like, red when I was a kid, so people would just, like, stare at me, and I was super self-conscious, but, um... Do you still feel self-conscious about your scars? No, so I actually started a blog to, like, kind of bring awareness and, like, advocate for it, and... I was like, well, this is kind of stupid because every time I try and take a picture of my scar, it just looks like I'm, like, trying to take a laundry shoot. So, like, <laughs> I, took, right. I, like, got one of my friends and put some, like, lipstick on my scars to make them red, and I was like, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever just decided to do that, like, 
outside of a photo shoot where you're just like, oh, burr, 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 just, no, really. just like them really pretty. Jazz up your scalp yeah, a little bit yeah, before, you go, before you go out. Yeah. Um, no, that's a good suggestion. Friend of mine got his uh, appendix removed, and, uh, and which is like just a small sort of, uh, what would you call that, like a bracket? Sure. Parentheses. Fuck, guys, my brain's fried. Leave me alone. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, but yeah, but yeah, thanks. Uh, so anyway, it's just like a little slit. And he put two, uh, two eyes and made a, a smiley face. Nice. With, with, the, with the scar being the, the mouth. With the, he, he cool got story. That, thanks, guys. Yeah. <laughs> he got that tattooed on him? Yeah, yeah. He got, okay. the, uh, yeah, he got the like, yeah. face and the eyes tattooed. Oh, he got a tattoo. He didn't just like, take the marker. Take no, no. Marker. No, no. He got a permanent for life tattoo. Oh, that's oh, great. Nice. Yeah. Well, yeah. Actually, yeah, I did get feathers like, around the two back scars because um, I was 18 and really wanted a tattoo, and that was the only one my mom would let me get because I was like... You were like, let me do it for the scar. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm really proud of my heart condition. <laughs> she was like... Damn it. <laughs> so it's gonna be there forever. And I was like, oh, and my scars aren't. She was like, uh, okay. Yeah, good logic. One. Yeah. And that totally. was the only one she would let you get? I mean, that was the first one. I was like, well, right. I got one, so like I'm gonna get a bunch more. And she did did she know that the that the wings on the back were are like a classic gang sign? Uh, no, because I didn't like Sweet, sweet, sweet. Sick boy podcast. We'll be right back after this word from our sponsors. Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl, yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Um, so you're you're in school and and it's you're you're not you're you're going to school half of the time. Mm-hmm. Like, how did that? How did that? How did you do? How did you do school? How did you? How did you get to the end of school being there half the time? Like, were you? Like, did you have to do shit outside of outside of uh, the classroom? Like, could you? Did you keep up, or were you, did you struggle with school? Um, so I dropped most of the non-compulsory subjects. Um, so I literally just did like maths, English, science, mm-hmm. um, ICT. What's ICT? Uh, Insane clown. Try it. Let's see. No, yeah, <laughs> it's like like computers, like IT. Oh, right. Okay, um, this this really interesting. Not to not to take it away from that, but the, this really interesting thing that you shared with me um, while we were talking on the phone before this is that mm-hmm. uh, you're here with a, a friend today. Where's your friend from? She's from Baltimore. Baltimore. Yeah. Um, no, Brian. Baltimore. Baltimore. <laughs> that's not in. That's not in the UK. No, it's, it's what? from America. How, so how did you guys meet? <laughs> We used to lie about this all the time, so it's really funny that this is going to be on a podcast now. Um, this is like the equivalent of, of meeting a couple, and you're like, where'd you guys meet? And they're like, uh, do, we say, do we say Tinder? Or <laughs> do we give them the fake, the fake story? Mutual friends? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we met from mutual friends. Um, no, so one of my releases of kind of being sick and not having a lot of friends during that time was to go online and I met my friend on Neopets. 
<laughs> Isn't that that's sweet? Who, I think that's yeah. awesome. Who remembers Neopets? <laughs> See? I, you clearly Fuck have yeah. a Neopet. <laughs> yeah. 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 She's still using what it. Is, what is Neopets again? Like, I, it makes me think of Tamagotchi. Is it any different than Tamagotchi? A little bit? I think I used it, but I can't remember. How does it work? How, how does Neopets work? Um, so you have up to four virtual pets that can never die, no matter how much you don't feed them. Okay. Um, okay. um, so that's where it differs from Tamagotchi, because yeah. Tamagotchi will die. Exactly. Um, so you can, like, play games, and there was message boards, which is where I met my lovely friend. Um, what do you talk about on the message boards? <laughs> your pets. Oh, my fucking They're... God, yeah, Neopets. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah, I used to have one. I had a jump jump. Nice. Yeah. I, I have can a I see room. that? Yeah. yeah. Are, there, are, there, are there only like a, a few that you? It's can, basically uh, a knockoff of Pokemon, really. Pretty much. A And the reason why I did this. The reason why I feel like I had a Bruce. The, <laughs> possibly. Oh, that's the, so boring. The, <laughs> I mean, uh, I had a growl. I had a growl. Yeah, the, that's better. But the the reason why I brought it up is because um, I was asking you about school, and and obviously you're saying that you weren't there very often. So um, I was wondering, like, if this online world was that escape, or like, or that kind of. Um, place of comfort that you could go to to get away from from I don't want to say the real life because there there's still very real interactions that you can have yeah um, online but what that's what that was for you yeah pretty much I remember I was probably about 14 15 and I met like other friends online um, besides from the one in Baltimore they were all in the UK which was nice um, and the first time I was like really wanted to meet up with them because they were like, they just kind of accepted me for who I was and so I didn't really tell them about my heart. So Is, is, is your heart is your heart something like, not necessarily that you, if you're not telling them about it, is it something that you are thinking about as part of you? Like do you when you think of who you are as a person are you thinking about your heart disease in that in that moment too? So I might as well just dive right into this. I, um... Basically, I like did all the normal life stuff. Like when I was four and a half, they said my surgery would last between seven and ten years, and then I'd need like the repeated surgery. Like so, the same thing again. Yeah, because like <coughs> valves wear out and they calcify and they like wear down. Um, but it just kind of I kept getting to my cardiology appointments every year, and they were like, "Nope, you're good, you're good, you're good." And I was like, "All right, what's happening?" Um, so I kind of went through my whole teenage years thinking that, you know, next year I'm going to need major open heart surgery. Mm-hmm. And then I got through university or college or whatever you call it. Mm-hmm. And um, I like was suddenly in the big, wide adult world. And I like really thought that I was going to die as a child because like, everything that had happened to me was like, it's not looking good. And like, like everything revolved around your heart and the issues that it was causing you. Yeah, and like I was told I can exercise, and I was told I can like. I, I had so many restrictions on me that I was like, okay, like this is the thing that I have to think of first. Mm-hmm. And did, um, did that manifest in like a a lack of motivation almost? What do you mean? In the sense that like you you keep thinking that you're going to have to go for open heart surgery year mm-hmm. after year and. 
like I, I imagine that it's hard to plan for the future, thinking that you're going to have to have that happen to you. Did you find that it like in, inhibited your like ability to see past um, one year down the road? Yeah, yeah, and like in a way, it still almost does. Like I kind of see like five years into the future now, but after that, it's just like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember as a kid, like I was just constantly convinced that like the next surgery I was going to die because I built up this. Like, huge phobia around anesthetics, especially. And um, I remember... Like, going to sleep was a yeah, scary yeah. thing. It, that is a scary fucking thing. Yeah, and, like, you know? everybody who's not really experienced that is just like, oh, but you've, like, had it so many times, you should be a pro. It like, gets worse every time. It gets time. worse every time. I feel the same way. What do yeah. you mean by worse? Well, like, okay, so I have, a, I have like, a, a pretty legit phobia of needles specifically going in my vein, right? And so... Where... Do they put needles not in your vein? Yeah, sure. Usually? Like, yeah, have you, have you ever got a booster shot or, like, okay. your flu shot or sure. tattoos or piercings, like, any of that shit? Go ahead. Stick yeah. me, poke me, whatever. If it's going in my vein... I will fucking kick you in the throat. Mm-hmm. Like you better get me some 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 drugs that will calm me down because I I dude getting my blood work I have to get my blood work done like five times a year every time bawling my eyes out yeah every time brought to like <clears throat> like just a pool of tears because I hate it so much yeah and I get really anxious now I get the similar same feeling when I'm on a on a like gurney being wheeled into this like very bright very sterile room with a bunch of like medical doctors and like you know you can see like they're about to strap your ass down thankfully they don't do that while you're awake but you know that that's coming you know and like you know that they're putting so I don't know there's that whole experience of like leading up to the moment when they start saying all right, like everything's fine. You're going to be out in no time. And mm-hmm. the anxiety is still there even as you start to... You know, so, like yeah. it doesn't go away. So you mean the, you mean the, uh, <clears throat> the your, your perception of going in worsens each time. Not the actual, yes. not, not like the effect of the anesthesia. Yeah, because you know you. what that anxiety no. feels like and you're thinking about that anxiety as right. well on top of the thought that like, you so for me it's more of a control thing like if i could stay awake during my heart surgery i'd be fine but like <sighs> even if they were crack my chest open, I'd be like, cool. but um the fact that i'm conked out and like i have no idea what's going on like whether i'm gonna wake up or not like so you'd that, rather be awake yeah. like if they gave you the option you go yeah i'll stay awake yeah see and for uh, most oh. catheters like once you're older, they do that. But when you're a child, they just don't trust you to not wriggle around. So like, even the last one I had was I was 14, and I was like, really wanted to stay awake, and they were like, no. So oh my Whoa. god, That's I I, so I kind of imagine being put under. Like I've only gone under once for one surgery, but I imagine that it would kind of be like <laughs> uh, going through a haunted house. Like the first time is really scary. But then you know where you know like where to expect the scares coming from the next time. So like it gets a little bit easier and a little bit less spooky. Yeah, I don't know. I think every time you go to sign that piece of paper where it's like, we're gonna put you to sleep and you may never wake up. Yeah. As soon as you put that pen to paper, you're like, fuck. And they tell you the statistics too. Like there's this percentage chance that you yeah. will have a stroke or like you will die. And it's yeah. Like, okay, well like did these statistics like 
stay the same? Is it still like one percent yeah. every time? Mm-hmm. Dude, like, go, I, like so a year ago when I went in, they're like, there's mm-hmm. like a you know fifty percent chance that you're gonna have an ostomy when you come out when you wake up, and it's like. Oh my god! Yeah. I thought it was bad that I was gonna maybe die. Like that's the last thing. Like I, I don't want an ostomy. You know, yeah. like that's a whole. You, there's and then it's just layers on layers and things that could fuck up. Yeah. No, and no, you know, I know there's probably someone here with an ostomy, and I know it's not that bad. But also, you don't want one. You're not like yeah. you're not signing up for it. But yeah. that's what it feels like you're doing. It feels like you're going. Yes, I am electing to do that. Yeah. And it's it's horrifying, guys. I uh, I have a Tamagotchi now. Oh, that's um, good. You signed up? I signed up. Or wait, no, you're not a Tamagotchi. A Neopet, you mean? Uh, sorry, yeah, a Neopet. Yeah. Um, it is a, uh, it's a uni. It's a blue uni. Uh, right now, uh, not going to assume their gender. Don't quite know. Their health is eight out of eight. Uh, they are content. They are bloated. <laughs> uh, they're zero hours old, and they're level one, and their name is Turdy Fart Toot. <laughs> Yep. Wow, that's and you just and you just did that right now while, while we were doing this. <laughs> I sure did. <laughs> wow, that's so nice. Yeah, I'm gonna go explore. See okay, you guys. See, ya. Um, see you in a bit. Now, we, now you were you were we we kind of went off on a little like on a little thing there, but <laughs> you were you were saying something along the lines of like you know you thought you were going to you kept on thinking that you were gonna die. Yeah, and like you kind of went through your your teenage years as you know, like this is the next year. This is when I'm going to get that surgery. They're going to open me up. Who knows? I have to sign my life away again. But then you were kind of getting to this, like, oh, then I go into my adult life. Yeah. So um, first, just to kind of tell this story because I kind of think it's kind of funny now, but it's probably not. Um, so <laughs> we'll be the judge. <laughs> I remember being in the bathtub when I was like five so like, you know you can't really bathe independently at that point mm-hmm. so my mum was just kind of like in the background helping out and I was like hey like can we go on holiday soon and she was like yeah like I mean that's a weird question and I was like no like in the next like few months and she was like why what's the rush and I was like I don't know like in case I die and she was like you said can we go on holiday in case I die mommy and you were five yeah yeah holy shit thank, thank you. you thank um, you oh like I think I, I said in case I'm not here take one of those oh my god that's such a that is such a I might have been six who knows oh, oh <laughs> never mind <laughs> oh, that's, that's, that's so such normal. a crazy thing to think at five or six or six or ten like that's such a did that fuck your mom up? Have you ever talked to her? I mean, have you talked to her about that moment and like what she thought in that um, moment of her like kids? Did she that? take you to Disneyland the next day? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, so so angry. Um, no. She. I think I had a few moments like that, but that's the one that I actually remember because I was like, wow. I don't know. I just kind of get myself into this like state while in the bathtub. Um, I guess when you're like. <laughs> Alone with your thoughts as a five-year-old, like who knows where. But your mom was there. Yeah, she wasn't really talking though. But um, I just picture her standing there, cross-armed, like just watching to make sure that you're okay bathing, and you're just like having this like really introspective moment, (laughs) like, (laughs) what? Mommy, (laughs) take me on holiday. Um, yeah, so... Was that a good accent? Like, no, no, that was horrible. <laughs> are you, are you, you're 25 now. Mm-hmm. Are you still like that? Um, so when, when I graduated university, I was kind of like, realized after a while that I just wasn't really pushing myself to do anything because like mentally I was waiting to have my surgery yeah. still and... 
I just kind of got to this point where I was like really tired of doing that. And I went to my cardiologist and I was like, hey, I'm thinking of going traveling. Is that a really stupid idea? And he was like, he was German. He's like, no, like you've got to live your life. And I was like, cool, thanks. Um, <laughs> you just threw that German accent out like so, like it was nothing. That was so great. Thanks. It was terrible if a German person hears that. <laughs> <laughs> I believed you. Thanks. Um, yeah, but like at the same time, I kind of realized I was having a lot of mental health issues and mm-hmm. like I was freaking out because I'd spent my whole life thinking that I was going to die as a child and then suddenly mm. I was an adult and I was like, well, what do I do? Like, yeah. I'm here. Like, should I not be dying right now? Um, was it like a realization that you can live? Like you can have, you know, normal might not be the best word, but ha- have have like a regular existence? Like you can go and, and, and do the things that you want to do? While I was in therapy, I had that realization, yeah. Mm. So um, I, I, I went through a few therapists and then I found this one who really dealt with um, like health issues and mm. trauma as like childhood trauma and like I think at first she was like I don't really understand why you're here you like seem mentally fine and like great and then I said this one thing I was like well I don't really understand like what in my life stems from being like a normal person and like being a person with a heart condition and she was like whoa 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 like you you are a person like regardless of what health conditions you have mm-hmm. and like that was the end of our session and then the next week I went back and we were both like ah, so where are we left off yeah, yeah right yeah. like that's where the problem is yeah. it's, it's it's interesting sorry to interrupt you but like yeah. it's interesting to hear them say like oh like you're you're more or less fine like you don't really need a therapist because like we've been talking a lot about this idea lately that that like everybody almost everybody should have a therapist like why not have a coach to Absolutely. go through life like yeah. is it is it is that like we we shouldn't see going to therapy as a bad thing it's just something to like help you reflect and and build upon yourself like you can always do better mm. yeah mm-hmm. i mean yeah exactly and that was that came up in a conversation with somebody that we spoke to uh, in the spring or in the summer named Ben Nempton. And it was this idea that he, you know, you, you, you have a, if you play a sport, you have a coach. Uh, if you sing, you might have a voice coach. If you're an actor, you might have, you might have a stage coach. Like you, there's so many things. A stage coach. (laughs) That's so old school, dude. We all, we all have cars. It's very normal for us to get around just like you do. We don't use fucking stage Sorry. coaches just I'm because just, we're actors. I'm just outdated. But that, and, that, and why, why would it be weird to see a therapist that basically is, is, a, is, a, is just a coach for your life to, when you have an issue that you don't yeah. feel like you have the answer to, that you can bounce an idea off of? And, and in particular, talking to somebody the other night about this exact same thing, um, right before we went to the airport and, and brought a man back from the dead. Um, <laughs> And she was. She said, "You know, it's, it's one of the only times that I can go and just talk and just talk about myself and not feel like it's in this like selfish, vain capacity, mm-hmm. because it's this. It's like that's their that's their role to to help you with your shit. Yeah. There, there is a whole discussion to you know, and like like just, just I think it, I think it's worth acknowledging that not everyone can afford mm-hmm. uh, therapy and oh yeah, and, it bankrupt me. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. It's fucking expensive, right? And so." That is that's a big part of why a lot of people don't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's there's there also I do think that there are also other options that you can like 
create yourself, like what we're doing here. This is yeah, dude. Things this, like this is as effective as therapy for me personally in my own life. Mm. There's things like reading books though, and listening to other podcasts, and yeah, doing, like doing there's, work there's things that you can do. Yeah, yeah. doing work to keep yeah. yourself mentally sound. But there's something that you just this this idea, and I was talking about this last night. Um, uh, I was at a fundraising uh, gala for cystic fibrosis, and I was mm-hmm. sitting at a table with a bunch of like family members that were connected in the CF community in Vancouver. And a lot of them, um, no one at the table had CF, but everyone at the table was affected by CF in terms of somebody in their family had it. Yeah. And I was talking to this young guy who was 27, I think, and his sister, Rena, has CF, and Rena is in her second year of university, and she's, like, severely depressed. And it, it, it's like we almost, we, we almost forget that mental health issues are so prevalent within people who are living with a, a physical illness. Yeah. Like we, we forget, I forget, I forget that like a majority of the people who live with cystic fibrosis are, are struggling, are struggling with depression because of their cystic fibrosis. Because people, of the impact that it has on their Because of the impact life. that it has on their life, right? Like Rena, Rena had to stop school. She couldn't go back to university she had to take a semester off because she just can't fucking breathe, mm-hmm. right? And so, like, how is that going to affect you mentally? I think the latest um, statistic for congenital heart disease is one in ten people have, I think, at least PTSD, and then others have like pretty heavy depression. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure it's even even higher than that for for other mental illnesses too. Like, I, I know personally, like my mom when she got through her bladder cancer. The, that part was, I'd say, like 25% of like the, the difficulty, like the mm-hmm. mental difficulty of getting mm-hmm. through that. Like 25% was the physical part. The, the other 75% was everything afterwards. Like yeah. after she was, was told that she was fine and she no longer had um, cancer in her body, like mm-hmm. th- then that's when the real challenge started for her, mm-hmm. which yeah. is crazy. What, where, like, where are you at today? Like what is, what is Sophia's like today? Um... Pretty good. I, yeah, I finished my therapy because she was like, cool, you're good to go. Um, after I realized that I don't have to split the my own view of myself into like normal person and person with a heart condition mm-hmm. and that, you know, most decent adults will just be like, oh, cool, you have a heart condition. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was like, okay, sweet. And then we did some trauma work on kind of PTSD and the phobias around anesthetics and I like wrote a piece for the British Medical Journal about the language that we use with children because I kind of realized that in some of like the hardest moments of my life doctors were like you're being so brave you're doing so well and I was like fuck you like I'm terrified Mm. um this is the least helpful thing because kind of that made me feel like I couldn't speak out and like especially in anesthetic experiences mm. they were like you're like you're so good like you're doing so well and I was literally like kicking and screaming um like the was- encouragement like the encur- like sometimes the level of encouragement is is detrimental instead of helpful yeah like I literally just needed <clears throat> them to like take a break and be like I'm sorry I know this sucks do you need a breather like I know like we're working with the NHS so we're like always press for time but like 
it's cool if you just take five minutes to calm down. Like, mm. we're not monsters. We're not trying to harm you. We're trying to help you. And, like, that as a child, like, it might not have in the moment helped, but, like, I think it would have... Made a difference. Alleviated yeah. a lot of the. Do they not give you Ativan? Like, do they? And they're not giving you. So I actually had a bad reaction to a pre-med when I was sick. Oh. So I started like hallucinating that the vents on the ceilings were like guillotine boards and like coming down. So oh like, fuck! Okay, we're, we're not going to do that anymore. <clears throat> yeah, right. Um, but it like heightened my anxiety around that to the point that I was in for one of the catheters and was fighting it so much that I was like, if I stop breathing in the gas then I can't go to sleep um of like so you know. basically you're just gonna put yourself to sleep Pretty much, yeah <laughs> so I was like trying to do that and like kicking squirming oh like as much as I could um like eight-year-old me logic didn't really work out that way so mm. like suddenly I was just like zonked out I didn't realize it I came back kicking and screaming and they'd like gone in through my main artery and my groin and I like kicked the stitches open and it kind of started like squirting out oh my god yeah that's super intense that's gonna take you a couple steps back yeah in terms of how you're managing the the fear around that yeah Jesus yeah that's so wild yeah okay what what would you so what's the the the, you're 25 now you you seem to be doing okay in terms of like you know how you're you're managing it mentally and how about physically? Like, is there is there any sort of um, is there anything lined up? Like, do you do you th- do you know if you're likely going to be going in for surgery anytime in the next X amount of years, or is it really just kind of up in the air? And then you really it's like the flip of a coin. You don't know. So my last appointment was actually with this like super bad doctor, and he was just like. Because it was the month before I moved to Toronto. And I was like, yeah, like, I took my, I took the advice from my last appointment. And I've been traveling. I've been, like, doing all this cool stuff. I actually, um, I came to Canada before I moved here. And I did a 47-kilometer hike in on Vancouver Island. Whoa. Sweet. Um, yeah. So that was, like, a huge thing. Because I'd always kind of viewed my physical health to be tied in with my heart and then I was like hey look at this I can like climb some mountains was that a really like like, was that a really empowering experience like after you finished it 100% like I was so proud of myself and I was like okay like my heart doesn't have to hold me back and Mm -hmm. then I went to this appointment I was like I'm moving to Toronto next month and he was like oh well like you know your heart's in like pretty bad shape and like you'll probably need surgery soon and I was like well that's not what I was told last year and um, did that like renew your your fear that you oh, had, that yeah. you had that you yeah. had like recently worked so hard on to get yeah, over? Like the day I flew out from <clears throat> the UK to Toronto, um, turns out that like my heart is getting a little bit worse. So one of the symptoms is blue fingernails, like especially when I get cold. So they're like, okay, that's fine. Just put but, mitts and a hat on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like, yeah, we, we figured this out It's really. fine. Yeah. You're just cold. Or like, <laughs> There's nothing wrong. Nail varnish hides it pretty well, too. <laughs> right. Um, but, Oh, my yeah. God. Should you, like, not paint your nails so that you can so you know? Can see them so you can, the if you, So that you can see, go, be like, oh, my heart. <laughs> Sometimes when I just don't want to think about it, I do that. And, like, they 
they get really mad. They're like, do not do that. Yeah. How are how on that note? How are you here? How does that work with you know if you if some shit happens? Are you are you covered to be here and or is that going to cost you a shitload of money or do you have to go home? Tomorrow I'm applying for healthcare. So. Did you make that decision when he asked you that? Were you like, uh, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, tomorrow. So I'm going to do it tomorrow. Shit, what will I do? Shit. Get healthcare, um, I guess. No, like <laughs> on the visa type that I'm on, I have to work for an employer for like six months before I'm eligible, um, but I can apply a few months early. So. Oh, so once you've been working for X amount of time, you can apply, yeah, get healthcare. Yeah, I've been paying the taxes. Oh, that's good. Canadian I've been paying the taxes. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Oh, so. Um... So yeah, I'm I'm covered, but I also took out really expensive travel insurance. Mm-hmm. So technically, so I guess technically, in that first six months, or I guess from the six months you you get your you get work mm-hmm. till until that six months is up, you're kind of in this. Yeah, kind I of in this. To, like, I had to renew my prescription because um, I could only take three months um, from the UK, and then she was like, "I'm only going to give you this much because." This will encourage you to see a doctor. What do you take? Yeah. What kind uh, of I take bisoprolol, which is a beta blocker. Oh, yeah, um, right. But before. We say I, beta blocker over beta here. Beta blocker. <laughs> but I was with you. Beta blocker, <laughs> beta you know blocker. What I mean. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, Aluminium. <laughs> it's got an extra. Um, <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was actually, until a few years ago, I was on a medication that was. A poison. Um, no, that doesn't sound like a medication. Yeah, yeah. So it was like I don't really know how it worked, but it just like slowed the heart down because poison. Because if you if you yeah. took more of it, then you'd die. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. they actually upped my dose, and they should have been doing regular blood work, but they were like, "She's fine." And then I'd like feel really sick after I took it if I oh didn't my God. eat breakfast. What's your heartbeat like? Like, do you have a? Is your heartbeat just like irregular as hell, or? It's wild. It's like pretty regular, but uh, my my Neopet friend um, <coughs> actually she's a nurse and she brought along a stethoscope. So I saw. Oh, can nice. I listen to your heart right now? Yeah, of course. Great. Oh. I was hoping you'd say yes. Is it? Does it? Do, do you have? A, do you have like a higher or lower? Oh, fuck! <laughs> it's so loud. Oh, from the holy shit! Oh, really? From like I think the, I just busted an eardrum from just the speaking and hearing. I just tapped the thing. Oh. You put it in the right way then. Oh my god. Is that a th- I'm definitely really? gonna hear your heart, even if it's weak as hell. That was crazy. It's not weak, it's strong. Oh my god. Like too so strong? A little bit, because when you have heart surgery, there's like most people's uh, heart sacs have like <laughs> there's like a liquid around it, but mine was taken away from the Oh, surgery, so it just so, so it's like it's it's like less um so less like pretend. encased. Oh god, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Let's pretend uh, it's like a doctor's appointment, uh, but uh, just, you just tell me what I'm allowed to do because I, I feel like <laughs> I feel like I'm putting yeah. myself. In some, you don't want to take any liberties. Yeah, I'm just putting myself in some hot, hot water. Where, where do I put it? <laughs> That's always the the right first question to ask. <laughs> I can't, we're all waiting as if we might hear as well. You should, you should do what you hear. I, 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 whoa! Oh, that's actually. Damn it! I was really hoping that that would really work. So someone, someone, someone literally was like, "I know that's not going to work." <laughs> it, it is. So, um, so wait here. Look, I'll do. I'll do my heart. Your heart beats really fast. 
I have a resting heart rate of about uh, 98. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Dude, yeah. Yeah, not even joking. Yeah, so my heartbeat right now is... is Dude, everyone's like, that's fucking crazy. Well, sorry, I'm doing... Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, you know, it's like... A dum, boom, dum, boom, dum, boom. So if I do a double tap, that's one beat. So double, t- double time, one beat. Yeah, okay, sweet. You got any, any beat makers in the audience? All right, here we go. So this is what I hear. This is my heart. Now, I also did a whole bunch yeah. of cocaine before I got here <laughs> and drank that Red Bull. Now, this is your heart. <laughs> yeah, you're fucking with us. Really <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, your fingernails. <clears throat> there we go. It's also like Yeah, so yeah, so my heart has this like my heart has this like from pump, from pump, from pump, from pump. But your heart is like a it's like a it, it sounds like it's like being dragged across a table or some shit <laughs> why because uh, I still have a hole in my heart so that is the blood kind of you're like hey we're not going to go the right way um, it is it's a very interesting sound you can check me <laughs> you don't have a heart <laughs> <laughs> Christmas well, that was interesting. I've, I've actually never listened to a heartbeat before. This is the first time I've ever uh, experienced that. I can't wait to play with that. Yeah let's, yeah, let's play with it later. Um, so, so is your resting heart rate, like, kind of normal? Like a, like a normal person's resting heart rate Yeah. I mean, because I'm on the beta blocker, it uh, kind of keeps it under control a lot. But if you didn't take that, what would, what would be going on with your heart? So, you know when your heart, like, skips a beat? Yeah, I've fallen in love a few times. I know that feeling. Uh, my heart does that probably like every five or six beats. So you just fall in love left, right, and center? All the time. Everybody just hopes it's romantic. I know. Do, yeah. you, do you like physically feel that though? Yeah. The yeah. first time it like went out of control, I was like, I need to go to the ER. And I was like hooked up to this. In the same hospital that misdiagnosed me and nearly killed me um, they just like hooked me up to a monitor that wasn't even recording my heartbeat for like <laughs> five days and they were like then what's going on I was like alright I'm gonna get on the phone to my cardiologist in London and they were like just increase your meds and I was like alright I can, I can go now is this right. like a knockoff hospital <laughs> like much, you know when yeah. you go to you know when you travel and there's like these roadside places that are selling like tank tops that are that are like not that they, or, or like headphones that are not Beats by Dre, and you're like, <laughs> I know that I know that you're not selling these for twenty bucks for it's real. It's like a cheap iPhone charger. You plug in, it's like not compatible. With yeah, it. yeah, your phone's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like nah. well, it looks like the nah. same thing. Yeah. yeah, God, that's crazy. So I, I was actually wait. in the ward with uh, it was snowing at the time, and. I was Snowing in, in the ward? No. Not in the ward. Oh, okay. I was going to say, yeah, dude, this hospital is really bad. Really you know, Brian bad. asked that question, like, he was like, maybe it was snowing <laughs> in the ward. Like, maybe that was possible. It's usually why people ask questions, to get real answers. <laughs> okay, that speaks, whoa, to that, whoa, whoa. that speaks to what I said. But yeah, so, there, was, there was three kids in the ward with me with broken legs. And I was like, all right, this, this is happening. 
So uh, what would you say up to this point in your your life would what would you say is the biggest thing that your heart condition has has taken away from you? Um, I know you asked these questions, so I thought about them before. Um, probably it's taken away my naivety um, just from like I, I was never really given the childhood naivety of like, wow, the world is perfect and everything is great because mm. like I was like, I'm going to die imminently. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of what it's taken away from me. Like just any sort of innocence that mm-hmm. the world's a perfect place. Mm-hmm. That's probably the most heartbreaking answer I've ever gotten from oh, that question. Sorry. Yeah, no, but but it but it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You know, it's like you telling that story of being five in the bathtub and saying to your mom, like, can we go on a vacation because I'm not going to be around? Like, that's that's fucked up. Yeah. That's really horrible. At the same time, though, it's kind of like... It's kind of like something that you learn as you get older too, that like things aren't always perfect. Yeah. And, and when you, mm-hmm. when you're able to learn and understand that and not see it as a bad thing, but just see it as the way that things are and, and, and are able to like look at things in a really like mature way. I think that that's, you know, I, I don't think it's, I don't necessarily think that it's better to grow up without the childhood sense of like wonder and mm. imagination and things like that. Like I, I, I think that it's still a sad experience in your case that you didn't get yeah, that. I was always told that I was very mature for my age and I was like, I've not taken that as a compliment because I literally just want to run around and play tag with my friends. But instead I've got to like sound with an adult because I physically can't run. Mm. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Like I think the thing to, and I get what you're saying, Brian, like it, there, there is something to be said for like being, having this sense of wisdom as a young person. Uh, like I, at the same gala, I met this young, uh, young boy named Stuart, six years old, mm-hmm. and he has CF. And he's fully aware of like what that means. But he's, he's also like this so, he's, he's such a little grown-up, like this little gentleman. And like just the way that he speaks, you, can, you immediately pick it up. Like you are, so, you are so much older than six. Yeah. And I think in his case, it's like he still has that, 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 that child sense of wonder um, because I think he does look at his situation as like neither bad nor good. It just, this is my life. He's Buddhist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. He was all, yeah. He was also bald wearing a robe and uh, just sitting cross-legged. It's easy when you're yeah, Buddhist. It was really weird. Yeah. Um, but no, he like, he, you could see that. And I think it's like, it works for him, but it sounds like it was, it was a, it was a negative mm-hmm. for you when you were younger. Like it sounds like it was a, it was less of this, like, you've come to terms with it and more of this sort of, you're being robbed. You're being robbed of what you yeah, should I mean, like, have had. My, my life is the only one that I've ever known. It's like, I've not known anything else from it. But you don't I, remember any of your past lives? No. <laughs> I mean, hmm. I thought maybe one time. But, <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, but yeah, like, when I was young and I'd hear that, I'd be like, well, can you still treat me like a child? Because I am terrified of mm. all these things that you're about to do to me. Mm-hmm. But like, because I had so much maturity and knowledge about what was happening they'd be Mm -hmm. like okay like this is fine you can deal with it and like they were like oh wow like considering everything that happens to you you smile so much i'm like oh sorry should i like walk around crying the whole time because like you know like this this is my reality Mm -hmm. so i don't know how like 
shit it is for me, so. Mm. Well, on the flip side then, what would you say is the biggest thing that it's given you? Probably recently, like, the ability to make a community. Like, I, I have a blog now, and it's kind of getting not, like, any kind of attention. I have, like, 100 likes on Facebook. Um, but it's, it's kind of building a conversation around, like, not being afraid of to, like, be who you are and, like, not letting these heart conditions get in the way of living life. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know... My my hospital that I've been treated at in London is such a huge community and they're always so supportive when I'm like, hey, I just climbed a mountain and I'm going on a 47-kilometer hike. They're like, yeah, look at Sophie. And it's like, it's, it's a cool feeling. Mm-hmm. And, like, I get so much response from being like, this is amazing. Like, my son's or my daughter's just been diagnosed with this and, like, mm-hmm. they're a child and it's, like, so great to see what, could become of their lives when they're like having the same surgery that I had 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's awesome to have that outlet, you know, yeah. and to and to feel like you are in the very least providing some sort of space that can cultivate that community because I yeah. think that's that's vitally important for for anyone who's suffering from any sort of illness um, to to either have that or to 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 be to have the option to be a part of something like that. So yeah. I commend you for that. I think that's really fucking cool. Oh, thank yeah. you. Um, I think this podcast is really cool. So. <laughs> we Thanks. have fun with it. Yeah, that's all right. Every now and again. Yeah, it gives us an opportunity to talk to people like you, which is yeah. like yeah. really, really sweet. And and in saying that, I want to say thank you. I want to I want to take a moment to to acknowledge what it takes to sit in front of an audience of complete strangers in a country that you're not from, and to to essentially pour your heart out, literally and figuratively. It takes a full mug of wine. Of wine, yeah, right. <laughs> that helps. Uh, but it it is it is one of those things that you know. I feel like what we do is is really important, and and it's people like yourself that make it possible for us to do this. So I want to just give you a, a huge round of applause for for showing up tonight. Yeah. And um, and also, in the same in the same breath, I want to thank all of you for for showing up here tonight. Um, you know, this is what we've been doing has continued to grow, and it's it's uh, it's having a, a very profound effect on a lot of people uh, all across the world, and that's really amazing. But it would be all for nothing if it weren't for people like yourselves who take time to actually sit down and listen, right? We, we say this every show. Um, you know, our, our whole thing is like, let's talk about it. it there's, there's initiatives out there all about talking about things. Bell, let's talk. Like, it is so important to get the discussion going. But what the fuck's the point of a discussion if there's no one that's going to listen to it? And so that's where all of you come in. And, and from the bottom of, of our hearts, we, we thank you so much for showing up tonight and, and being a part of that discussion. So thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, everybody. All right, with that, that is it for this week. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. I'm Jeremy. And this is Sick Boy.
I think I think it would do all of us a, a great service if the two of you could tell retell the story that you told me while I was having breakfast yesterday. Tell them what we told you. What you told me. Okay. What happened? <clears throat> well, we got we got here um, yesterday morning. We had a, a red eye from Calgary. Yeah. So we we landed yesterday at uh, at about six six forty five seven o'clock. So the night the night before. We are in Calgary, and we're having dinner with some friends, and we're having a really great time. And uh, we leave for the airport a little bit late, so we have a, we, our flight's at at twelve thirty, just after midnight. And we get to the Calgary airport around eleven thirty, eleven twenty, somewhere around there. By the time we drop our bag, it's we've got twenty minutes until we have to board. And the airport's dead, so no issue. No one's at security. We can go just roll through security. And, uh, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, since uh, the legalization came down a couple weeks ago, I traveled with some, with some weed to Vancouver when we went, and then we went to Calgary, and I'm thinking, hey, Brian, let's, do you want to, are, are you allowed to roll joints in an airport? Is that, I don't is think that so. okay? Don't think so. And I was, like, I was like, well, you could roll a cigarette, I'm sure, so why couldn't you roll some weed? Great logic, right? That that checks out. Yeah. So I, after I made this recommendation, I was like, "You should do that." I'm gonna go to the bathroom while you yeah, do. Yeah. <laughs> so I went to I went to take a poop. So Brian, so Brian goes specifically to take a like, poop. Wait, wait, hold on. You 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 went to force a poop, or you had to poop, and also you were like, "This is good timing because I don't want to be around for you rolling that joint." Yeah, both. Yeah, yeah. But I f- both. made sure that I took an Instagram video of Taylor rolling it quickly before <laughs> okay, I left. He did, he did. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. So I sit down and uh, airport's dead. There's no one around. I'm 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 rolling. I roll up this little joint. And by the time I'm done, Brian's nowhere to be seen. So I think, okay, well, you know what? I'm getting a little bit nervous about the timing of getting on this flight. So I'm gonna go find Brian. I don't know where he went. Though. I don't know what bathroom he's in. So I text him. I say, yeah, where did you go? Naturally, right, I'm on my phone. He's naturally you know? on his phone. He's I mean, he's on he's on the gram, sitting on the toilet. And he he writes me back. He says that this is where I am. So I go find him in the bathroom. And I go in, and I can see that in this bathroom, there is a wall, and on, on, the, on the wall, there is the three urinals, and on the same wall, there's three stalls. And directly behind me, there are the sinks. I'm taking a piss in the urinal that's closest to the stall that Brian's in. All very important. <laughs> you, I know what you're thinking. Trivial. It's right. so I was thinking trivial, but I'm going, no, this is important. I heard this story. <laughs> this is important news. It, uh, it plays. So I'm having a little chit-chat with Brian. And then, you know, whatever we, whatever we say to each other. And then I hear, <laughs> Which is not uncommon to hear Brian yeah. uh, when he's on a toilet. Not weird to hear in a public no. bathroom. I, I, if, I, if I bite on this, then everybody's going to think that I, I'm trying a, to cover it up. So that's how you do. So I think I'm, it's I'm Brian. I'm not going to fight that. I think it's Brian. I think it's Brian trying to fuck with me, actually. I think he's just <laughs> making crazy noises. That's immature, but anyway. Well, not something you wouldn't do. <laughs> and then, But I'm not 100% sure that it's Brian. So I don't acknowledge it. I'm like, there's a 5% chance there's somebody in this, else in this bathroom that just made this crazy sound. So I say nothing. Now, I finish taking a piss. I turn around to go wash my hands on the wall behind me. And as I go over to the sink, I come around the wall of the urinal. 
And I see a man, and he's passed out on the floor. And he's half about from maybe his elbow up, elbows up to his head. He is passed out on the floor underneath the urinal. And he's, and he's like out of the urinal. But the, the door's locked. Wait, no, the stall. urinal. The no, no, the stall, the stall, yeah. From the stall. And so he, he was in the stall, doors closed, but half of him is hanging out of the stall. Half of him is under the door. Gotcha. Out into the like main area. And from like a, a moment's assessment of this guy, it's not okay. I run over to him. I say, dude, are you okay? Are you okay? I give him a shake. I give him a little slap on the face. He is blue. He is not breathing. I don't, to me, this guy is laying here on the floor dead. I, I hear, I hear Taylor run over and I hear like the, the noise. And, and when I walked into the bathroom, I saw some feet in the last stall and I, I saw a hand like touching the floor kind of, um, which is weird. Like nobody sits on the toilet and has their fingertips on the floor. So, but I heard like kind of these like grumbling sounds and, and keep in mind, it's like midnight. So I thought, you know, maybe this is just a guy like like sleeping, you know, taking a nap in the bathroom on his break or something weirdly. Um, but when I heard Taylor run over, I like stuck my head down underneath the stalls and I saw this guy's face and he was like purplish blue. And I was like, holy fuck, my heart stopped. And I was like, he's dead. And Taylor took off outside of the bathroom. So I run out into the in, out into the airport and it's whatever it is right now, like 1140, 1145 in the Calgary airport, and there's nobody around. I see like four people in the 100 feet around me. And I just start yelling, does anybody know CPR? Does anybody know CPR? Like this, there's a guy in the bathroom. He's turning blue. I don't, he's not breathing. I don't know if he's dead. We need an ambulance. We need like something right now. Does anybody know CPR? And everybody in the vicinity just looks at me like I'm crazy. And a moment goes by and I go, CPR, does anybody know CPR? And no one says anything. I actually saw somebody walking as I was saying it with their phone, looked up at me, and then looked back at their phone and kept walking. No joke. So I, I'm in the bathroom and I start power wiping my ass like yeah. faster than I've ever... Like, I'm like, I get, I get two or three wipes in and I'm like, this has to be the dirtiest shit I've ever taken. Sorry. It's important details because I, in that moment I was like, fuck it. And I pulled out my pants. I bust out of the stall and I just run over to this guy. And then Taylor comes in in the bathroom at that point. So right before I came back in, I, 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 after nobody said anything to me, I looked at this one woman, she was a security. Um, she was one of the people that's at that work security. And I looked at her and I said, you, call 911 right now. There's a guy, he's dead on the floor in here. We need an ambulance right now. I rushed back into the bathroom. And Brian and I are looking at each other going, we have no fucking clue what to do. What are, what are we, what are we going to do? Do you know CPR? No. Do you know CPR? No. Okay, what, 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 what can we do? Okay, let's so take him out. grab this guy. We grab him and we haul him out from underneath the stall. He, like, lifeless body. He's all mangled up. We, I got to pick him up, take his arms out from under him so I don't feel like his mm. arms are breaking. He's like this, it's like kind of like 40-year-old guy wearing this, like, heavy leather jacket. And it it, it kind of smelled like old cigarette smoke. So we, we, we pull him out, and, and he's kind of, we half put him on his side and then roll him on his back. And, and I had this very vivid memory uh, that came back to me. Four years earlier, I was at a soccer game, and there's two fields side by side. There's four teams playing. And this guy dropped down on the field. He had sudden cardiac arrest. 40 people stood around him for 45 minutes and did nothing, and the guy died. And t- 
two weeks later, I was telling this story to a, a nurse and she said, nobody did CPR. And I was like, no, nobody knew like if it was the time to do CPR, nobody wanted to be the person to do it. She was like, you can just do chest compressions. Like you can't go wrong if you just do chest compressions. So that moment came back to me when we had this guy on the floor. And, and so Taylor stabilized his head and I just started like pressing on his chest, like going as hard as I could. So Brian's doing this. I'm holding his head. Maybe, I mean, time is not a thing at this. I have, who knows how long we were doing that for? Maybe a minute, maybe two. And then he goes, <gasps> eyes are forward. They were rolled up into the back of his head. Blood rushes into his face. Like all the color comes back in a moment. And as soon as the color came back and he took that breath and he looked forward, his eyes rolled back up in his head again. He stopped breathing and he was gone again. But in that moment, Taylor and I got the biggest rush of adrenaline. We just started fucking yelling at this guy like, you got it. You're here. And I was just going harder, harder. You fucking and, got it. And meanwhile, while they're doing that, the woman on 911 is on speakerphone because you guys called yeah. her on your phone and she's going, calm. No, you need to calm down. <laughs> calm down. And they're like, no, it's okay. You're good. Like, freaking out. But, <laughs> by the way, nobody had come into the bathroom with us. A, a guy, a guy poked his head into the door, like like that is like, that is absolutely like, fucked. That yeah. is actually crazy. He went to me. like this. He poked his head in, looked at us. He's like, "That's fucked." And I went, "What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? What's your role? Like, do something. What are you do?" And he, and he just and then he and then he left. So this girl that I had that I had said call nine one one. She comes in, and she's on the phone with the dispatcher, and she puts the phone down on speaker right next to me. And she's going, okay, well, this is what you need to do. She starts walking us through the steps that we need to take. She's like, okay, well, check, check this, check that. What's his, is he breathing? And I'm like, well, def- define breathing. Not yes, but no. Mm-hmm. He's taking a breath like every, he's taken maybe, he's taken one of these breaths so far where he's gone <gasps> and, and come back. <clears throat> and I'm, I'm just fucking yelling in the background like, you are worth it. And the dispatcher's like, stop fucking Tony Robinsing that <laughs> yeah, guy. <he's> like <laughs> trying to motivationally <laughs> speak this guy back to life. <laughs> And uh, so, so Brian's doing the Brian's doing the chest compressions. I'm holding him. The dispatcher's telling us what to do. She's saying, "Okay, just keep doing the chest compressions. Do it at this rhythm." So she gives me the <laughs> rhythm, and I start I start counting and like rhythm counting Brian on the chest compressions. And she goes, "Okay, well, you guys need to go get a defibrillator right now because this guy's not breathing." So the woman who brought the phone in, she leaves, she goes and gets a defibrillator. She comes back, she puts the defibrillator next to me. Brian's continuously doing the, the chest compressions. Again, since, since she left and came back with the defibrillator, again, he's gone, <gasps> come back to life, and then gone again. And so this has happened, this has happened t- two or three times, and, he's, and it's happening every two or three minutes. Like, the, he, those, those are the only breaths that he's taken. So put the defibrillator down, take the pads off, put the, put one pad on, on, it was on the, uh, kind of like on the, on the upper rib cage on his, his heart side. And then the other one, I believe was like, kind of like in the center of the chest or maybe on his, on his left peck or his right peck. Yeah. And I, once I, once you put it on and once you start messing with the defibrillator, the defibrillator starts to tell you what to do. Yeah. Assuming that there's not also a dispatcher on speakerphone telling you what to do. So the two voices are completely And the defibrillator is loud. It's like, 
Please step back from the patient. Dude, very, you're like, very Jesus loud. Christ. Like, it's right in your yeah. ear. Very loud. So yeah. we're like, okay, well, we don't like, so she's, she's, once you put the defibrillator on, and, and if one of you guys know, let me know after the show, but it seems like I kind of gathered that if, once you put the pads on, it can detect the heart rate, and if there's a heart rate, you can't press, press the, the button. button. I don't know if that's 100% true, but they, the, the dispatcher was saying... Like 90% of the people are going, oh, duh. Yeah. <laughs> don't electrocute a guy with his heart pumping. That seems dummy. like a really good failsafe. But the, the, the dispatcher was saying, well, don't do it. He's got a heart rate. If he's taking any breaths, then he's got a pulse. He's got a heart rate. So don't, don't, uh, what's the, don't activate the defibrillator. And Brian keeps doing this, keeps working on his chest, and every, every three or four minutes, he's, he's going, <gasps> coming back to life, and you're getting this little sign that he's still alive. And at the very end, we're working on him for what? 15, 20, 15 minutes, yeah. 15 or 20 minutes this, this, went, this went on. And like, you know, in, during the whole thing, you have, it could have been 10 seconds. It could have been a year for all I know. I just Looking kept thinking, back, man, I'm so thankful for CrossFit. Like, I've been doing so many yeah. AMRAPs lately yeah, right. that, like, I was like, <laughs> it's, it is Dude, a workout. Whole, it is Dude, a workout. I was, I was sweating. sweating. Yeah, yeah. He sure. was sweating. Yeah. yeah. And the only way, reason that I know how much time was is because I looked back at my phone. And it was like, your, your flight has boarded. And, 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 when, and, when I, and, when I, and I looked at the text when I said, yo, yo, Brian, what bathroom are you in? And that's how I knew how much time we were in the bathroom doing this for us, about 15 or 20 minutes. Eventually, two firefighters come in, then a few police officers, and then a medic. And the way that the bathroom is oriented, the, we're on the far side of the bathroom, furthest away from the door. Brian and I get separated when everybody comes in. I get pushed up against the far wall away from the door, and there's no space for me to go anywhere. So I end up watching everybody, all the, all the first responders, start to work this guy on CPR and continue to do it. They start doing the chest compressions. They have the, the, the mouthpiece with the bag that they're, pumping, um, that they're pumping air into and the piece that's in his mouth, and they're checking his pulse. And he's got a pulse, and it sounds like they've, you know, He's alive, and they've got it sort of under control. They're giving him oxygen, and they're giving him chest compressions, and they're asking, oh, were, were, you guys, were you guys with this guy? No, we came in. We heard noises. I came around. I saw this guy passed out. We hauled him out. We did CPR for 20 minutes. Here we are. And they go, okay, do you know what happened? We just, I just found him passed out on the floor. The stall is locked that he was in, they go underneath and they pull out a, a little tinfoil uh, piece that's folded and, and they basically said, oh, it's, it's heroin or, or crack. So he was in the bathroom, OD'd on whatever he OD'd on, passed out while I'm using the bathroom and, and Brian's on the toilet. At some point, a cop goes, hey, he looks across to me because I'm, I'm, I'm just staring at what's happening on the ground, and he says, hey, Taylor, Taylor, when's your flight? And you're like, whoa, my flight. Uh, it's in 20 minutes. And he was like, okay, we got to get you. Let's get you out of here. So I step around. Now I'm with Brian. And he takes our numbers, and he takes a photo of our IDs, <coughs> and he says, thanks. This guy might be dead if you're not here. So good job and have a great flight. 
And Brian and I walk out into the airport <clears throat> in hindsight, in this total state of shock, not knowing what's happening. We walk like zombies through the airport, through security. We get to our gate. Plane was delayed. We sit down. We're sitting beside each other and just not saying anything to each other. We don't, we don't know what to say, what to think, what to do. And I'm looking around at everybody in the airport and there's just such a strong amazement at the goings-ons of the airport and everybody's going about their business and you're sitting there going, nobody here has any idea what just happened. That this crazy scene just took place, but only in our world's. And in everybody else, it was just a normal time to get on their flight. And it was just this amazement that I was left with. It's a crazy thing that like you, you think about the things that everybody goes through on, the, on a day-to-day basis. And it's just like a reminder to like just be compassionate to other people in life because you don't know what they've been through. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'd like to think that that was the thought that I had in this moment. Or I'd like to think that it was, it was more so about... Um, uh, the CPR thing, because like that experience, I honestly don't think I would have, I wouldn't have done the chest compressions had it not been for that, that prior experience. But the reason why we want to share this story with you guys tonight is because like, you shouldn't have to go through a, uh, an experience like that where somebody dies to learn a lesson so that you can act in, in the next moment when something like that happens. And I like to think that that's what I thought of in the moment. But the only thing that I could think of was, holy fuck, I still haven't wiped my ass. That <laughs> dude. I was, the whole time I was going, but did you go back or wipe your ass? <laughs> For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.